Australia has a key responsibility to really lead the world in climate change. We have to drastically and swiftly reduce our greenhouse gas pollution levels. Are we going to be the ones that could have saved the reef but didn't? You're listening to the Climate Council Podcast. Welcome to the Climate Council Podcast. I'm Alexia Boland. Jerry Houston is an energy expert, climate councillor and chair of the Climate Council. He is a prominent businessman who has worked all over the world in roles for BP with his career in the oil industry spanning over 34 years, including positions serving as the president of BP Australasia. Jerry Houston was a foundation commissioner and energy expert on the Climate Commission before it was abolished in 2013 and played a key role as the Climate Council rose from the ashes soon after. This episode looks at Jerry's career, how climate change burst onto the agenda for BP in the 90s and what his thoughts are on the state of climate and energy policy in Australia today. This is his story. Yes, I actually um, I joined, um, I joined BP out of, um, effectively out of university and, um, and stayed with them until I retired. So tremendous diversity of roles all over the world. Um, but, um, yeah, one company man. And what kind of projects would that see you working on, especially if it's you know, in multiple countries and multiple roles? What kind of... Uh, could you describe a few of the projects, I suppose? Yeah, I suppose most of my career was in, the, in what we call the downstream side of the oil industry, which is the, the, you know, the refining and marketing part of it. I did spend um, five good years of my life on the Northwest Shelf Project, which in the 1980s was the biggest resource project that Australia had. Um, and I've sort of lived all over Australia, um, New Zealand, Europe a couple of times, and the UK a couple of times. Wow. And so can you tell me, when did, uh, the, I suppose, the concept of climate change first get introduced to you and, and your work? And how, yeah. how it was, it's such a contrast to, to now and to what your career was, especially being there for more than 30 years. Yeah, it, 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 it sounds like a paradox, but it's not. In, in, in the um, mid-90s, John Brown, our, um, our chief executive globally, um, said that this debate about the science on climate change um, was uh, uh, was the wrong debate to be having. Uh, he said the science was settled to the extent that uh, um, you know, man had caused um, climate change and fossil fuels were a big part of it. So he was adamant that, um, that uh, you know, outfits like BP became part of the solution rather than being seen as part of the problem. So he was the first, um, we were the first major you know, oil company to step out and say there's an issue and we need to solve it. And that was in the mid-90s. And that's so progressive as well. And mm. so what kind of steps did you see? Oh, we had an internal trading scheme to test out trading schemes. We had a, um, um, you know, we, we had a new energy section to BP, so we were into... Uh, um, you know, into alternative forms of energy, including you know, looking at uh, the science around hydrogen. Um, we had a, um, a solar business, um, and we um, put a lot of money into research on renewables and in cl- into climate science. Oh, 
Wonderful. And so, yeah, that's incredible foresight, especially to be in the 90s and to be mm. looking forward, especially with renewable energy sources mm. like that. Given your wealth of knowledge about renewable energy and, and energy sector, uh, what are your thoughts on the current state of climate and energy policy in Australia and how you know we're in the middle of an, a renewables boom? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, just, 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 to, go, just to go back a step... Um, yeah, one of my roles when I was head of um, this region for BP was was to try and um, you know get long term regulatory solutions to um, you know to moving to a low carbon economy. And uh, so you know, as BP, we pushed very hard, and uh, and you know we were um, uh, we were part of a group that um, um, you know embraced John Howard's initiatives uh, when he went to. An election with a, a emissions trading scheme, and we were, you know, instrumental with the work with uh, the the then opposition, and they introduced an emissions trading scheme. So, we've said all along that we want regulatory certainty, um, and if you get that, then a lot of the heavy lifting can be done by industry. Um, unfortunately, since that brief window of uh, bipartisanship, where both Sides of politics agreed on an emissions trading scheme as the way forward. Um, it's we've seen nothing since, and there's been in in many cases there has been a um, uh, an investment drought in many key parts of the um, um, energy energy market. So we have some of the worst um, um, you know, transport emission standards uh, in in the developed world. Um, we haven't spent enough money in our um, in our um, uh, electricity network, um, and if we have spent a lot of money, it's been the wrong money because the wrong incentives are in place, uh, and we've we've so we've missed an opportunity to modernise our network and allow it to completely embrace the uh, the onslaught of renewables which we're seeing today. Um, so um, our energy policy has been heavily deficient in Australia. Uh, and uh, and I find the the current rhetoric is not particularly helpful. We should have moved on a long way from then. Um, you know, we've been basically, I would say, uh, over ten years doing doing nothing, and in fact, probably providing a disincentive to to invest. Fortunately, during that period, um, the technologies for renewables have advanced to such an extent that they're now very, very competitive against you know, any of the alternatives. So you know, the market's doing its own thing, I suppose, is the best way you could describe it. But it's, 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 been, it's been a hard slog, and uh, I do get worried that the, um, that the debate out there on um, energy policy is, uh, is, uh, is the wrong debate. It seems to be partially in denial of the science and the need that we have to you know, move along quickly. Um, the fact that we're happy to downplay um, Australia's uh, influence in the world uh, is, 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 I think, is, uh, is laughable, mm. given so many other things that Australia is so good at and punches above its weight. Um, here we're punching well below our weight. And, you know, frankly, um, it's an embarrassment. Touching on the te the decade of inaction, uh, is it concerning that there's still like a re-emerging push um, every few months for to extend the life of coal-fired power stations that are now approaching 40, 50 years old? And in your opinion, um, you know, is that going to just be a stranded asset if we add money to these 
um, old clunkers, I guess you could call them, and um, or investing in you know heli coal or, or carbon capture storage when you know we have the solution available now through renewables, which are you know becoming more and more affordable and efficient. Yeah, well, I, I would say the debate on carbon capture and storage is the same discussion that I heard about 15 years ago. It hasn't moved on. The money hasn't been invested. And we we don't really have a <coughs> a uh, we don't have a valuable um, coherent um, solution when it comes to um, um, when, you know, when it when it comes to uh, um, you know putting our carbon into the ground or, or whichever way you look at it. So you know the, this this whole area of um, of carbon capture and storage, if it ever became anything, it would be a small part of the solution. So. Um, we shouldn't be spending a hell of a lot of time um, debating that. Um, you know that the interested parties can pursue it, but at the end of the day, it has to be economic, and at the moment, it's proven not to be. So, you know, the, the, the proposing new new coal-fired power stations would definitely become stranded assets. There's no doubt about that. Um, and it's interesting. You know, when I was originally involved with the Climate Council after I retired from BP, um, you know. We were talking to the um, you know, places like um, you know, Wollongong and uh, and um, you know the Latrobe Valley, and it was recognised back then that those you know those power stations that feed those areas have to close at some stage. They were just getting too old, and here we are, you know, many years down the track, and people are expressing surprise to something that uh, wouldn't have surprised people ten or fifteen years ago. So it's ridiculous, I think, that we um, we haven't moved on. Um, I can understand people's concern about um, you know supply security, but uh, you know going back to the future is uh, is is not going to be the way to do it. I think it's um, it's uh, it's uh, that's what I'm talking about when I say the debate out there is counterproductive. Um, we should be talking about you know the way that we can make it happen um, without having to rely on you know old technology and going back. Mm, I think back to the future is an excellent way to describe <laughs> it. So let me take you back to around September 2013. Uh, how did you become involved with the Climate Council? We had just re-emerged from the ashes after uh, the abolishment under the Abbott government and how did you come to be uh, chair of the Climate Council and a Climate Councillor? Well I, I was I was a, uh, I, I was a, um, um, a commissioner with the Climate Commission um, so I'd been one of the foundation commissioners with um, you know, with Tim and uh, Will and Leslie, etc. And um, and we decided that uh, we would try and um, you know carry on the work that we were doing, but in a in a much trimmed down environment. And uh, and so we did. We 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 started crowdfunding um, a couple of days after our demise had been announced. Um, and. Uh, um, and fortunately, the, um, the then minister helped our cause by um, um, by telling everyone about the fact that we were setting ourselves up as the climate council, and the money was flowing in very quickly. I was <laughs> I was very surprised, and uh, you know, within a couple of days, we were we were up and running again as a uh, a, a very small um, but increasingly influ influential body, and. Uh, um, I'm just so proud about the way that it's it's kicked on from there. I was, um, as I said, we, we we set up with councillors. Then we decided that you know obviously we needed to put more formality into it, so we created a board. 
with um, you know some um, highly respectable members of the the you know the the business and NGO community and um, and um, I was on that board as a representative of the uh, the councillors and and was elected chair. So that's how I got into that position for my for my sins. As a commissioner at the time when uh, when you heard that uh, you were being disbanded, I suppose did you think that this could happen that you could reemerge and continue your work? Well, I suppose we wouldn't have. Um, we wouldn't have tried if we didn't think it could work because we just saw such a big need out there. Um, I, I must say I was, a, I was a little bit surprised by the amount of support that we got, particularly in the early days, and the support keeps on growing. So, you know, that's the fabulous thing about it. Um, so um, not surprised that it was successful, but surprised that it's been as successful as it has been. And I think, you know, that in itself um, speaks a lot to the, to the, to the team you know, led by Amanda, that's uh, and and the you know the the other councillors that uh, you know it's just uh, it's it's a great success story. And what what are your hopes for the future of the Climate Council? Obviously, it'd be wonderful to one day not exist in a way because we would have achieved our goals of uh, of uh, tackling climate change. But um, what would you like to see, especially um, as you know, climate and energy become an ever more ever growing political issue? Yeah, well, I, I, I hope it doesn't. Bec- you know, I hope that a day comes where it's not a political issue. That there's bipartisanship because that's the only way that you're going to get stable um, policy settings that'll allow you know the right level of investment to go in in the most efficient way. Um, I, I agree with you. I hope that the day would come that we don't need to exist. Um, I had hoped when we originally set it up that that would be around 2020, but. Uh, that's certainly not going to be the case the way things are today because I don't think, you know, um, I think I think the awareness of um, the community has grown a great deal. Um, I don't think politics have kept up with it. And, uh, and the fact that you've got um, quite a few politicians just, uh, you know, pushing back against the science and the economic reality out there plus what the community expectations are I, I just find uh, is 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 amazing, and you know it's one of these things that I think will continue to drive um, you know cynicisms about you know the the political uh, you know you know the, the way the politics is working these days. So I, I think ultimately politics will be driven into um, you know in, into an, a sensible approach on this. I just hope it's going to be soon enough. And finally, what advice would you give to somebody who might be um, who might have begun their career in a similar way to you? What advice would you give to them to carry forward in your footsteps? What advice in this? Well, I, I think there's. Um, I'm a great believer that if business is given the right incentives, uh, you know, and, and it's the government that provides the incentives or the framework in which they operate, then um, business can be a huge force for good. Uh, and and they can make things happen. If I just look at what's what's happened, f- for example, with solar technology, I remember when BP was involved in it, um, we had a cost curve which said that you know it can come down so far and and you know no more. So you know that's going to be the limit of it. Well, we're now an order of magnitude below that cost curve. So it's extraordinary what can happen in ten years. So um, and that's been driven by you know business innovation. Uh, so it's it's it, that's the sort of thing that can happen, if um, if you know business is given the right framework to operate in. 
things can get done. So, um, yeah, if you do come from a big business as I did, um, you know, um, what I would be suggesting you do is clamour for the right framework so that you can do your bit, And because uh, I know that business certainly can. You're up to date from the Climate Council podcast team. You can access all the latest Climate Council reports, fact sheets and podcasts at climatecouncil.org.au. You can also follow us at Climate Council on Twitter and forward slash Climate Council on Facebook. Don't forget the Climate Council is independent and community funded. We rely on donations to fund our critical research, campaigns and projects. So please help to support our work and donate via our website today. 